everybody. Jonathan Doyle with you once again. Welcome back to the Supply Side Podcast. Thanks so much for the pleasure of your time. We really hope we can bring you something useful this week. You are about to hear a wide-ranging and fascinating discussion between myself and Mr. James McIntosh. James has been with the Financial Times for over 20 years until 2016, where he is now writing almost on a daily basis for the Wall Street Journal. Many of you would be familiar with his work, so it's really great to have him on the show. It's a great privilege to to experience his insight, his depth of analysis, and as we discuss things, you'll notice his background is so broad, the philosophical insight that he brings to some of what's happening. It's a really great conversation, so I do hope you enjoy it. He's going to share with us his insights on the current inflation outlook and we're going to talk about global macro and we're going to talk about crypto and just about everything in between. So I really do hope you get a lot out of this. Please make sure you've subscribed, hit that subscribe button and of course I'd love you to take these links wherever you're hearing it, post it on your social media feeds, share it on Twitter. The more people we can have listening into these kinds of conversations, I I think it's just a great thing. So that's it from me. Sit back, relax, enjoy this discussion with Mr. James McIntosh from the Wall Street Journal. Mr. James McIntosh, formerly of the Financial Times, now currently with the Wall Street Journal. Welcome aboard to the Supply Side podcast and thank you for joining us. Hi, glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thank you for making time for us as London gets underway for another day. We were just talking off air about a little bit about your backstory and uh, I made the point that economics is an inexact science. You made the point that it's not really a science. Take us back into that. What uh, Take us into a bit of your journey and, uh, and what made you say that. So I started economics. I did some economics at school, of course, but then I went to university and did a year of economics and ditched it because of the, basically because for me, it was down, it was low-grade maths. I enjoy maths. I'm good at maths. I, I would actually have preferred to have done a maths degree, I think. But the economics took this false premise of the rational expectations and then built on it this huge edifice of stuff that isn't true using some maths. And I realize now that once you get through the low-grade modeling, you actually get to then the interesting stuff of discussing the premises and working out you know what actually goes on that at higher levels economics is very interesting but i ditched it for psychology at after my first year at university and i think that was probably more useful for studying markets than most economics is and the obviously i've come back to economics since and the interesting bits of economics which are fascinating but for me most economics is really political economy not all of it there are some bits that that, that are more than that but most economics is political economy so when you say the most interesting bits in your journey so far, which has been you know, quite extensive, what most interests you about this broad space of economics and political economy? So I come at it from the side, the point of view of markets, which I think are very interesting because, of course, you get expressed in markets is the combination of the money-making, money-making desires of the investors, but also their expectations of what is happening in the economy and in many different aspects of the economy. They obviously have different preferences to policymakers who don't particularly care about profits, but they they have an awful lot of very interesting views, many of which are often horribly wrong, but which themselves are a large part of what happens in the economy because, of course, it's it's all endogenous. The markets influence the policymakers and the policymakers influence the markets. And so you get this 
unpredictability, which is fascinating because you can't just make a simple model that works. History rhymes, but it doesn't perfectly repeat itself. You can't, it, it, you know, no two events are identical and you can never quite tell how investors will react or how policymakers and politicians will react and all these things feed back into each other. And that's what makes, that's what makes an economy for me. And it's different to what you'll read in an economics textbook. I want to ask you a couple of things. That's so interesting. I've recently been reading George Gilder's Knowledge and Power and this information theory of capitalism where you have these almost unquantifiable number of signals and inputs being sent between vast numbers of actors and somehow, not exactly Smith's invisible hand, but somehow this stuff coordinates. And I remember being in New York with my kids a couple of years ago and we are on uh, Upper East Side and, and going into a supermarket there and seeing the vast amount of stuff, like even compared to Australia, I was just like, and then reading Gilder's theory, it's somehow this supply change, all of this stuff coordinates for all this stuff to be available. But what I wanted to ask you is on just what you were just talking about, markets were no doubt never simple necessarily at any point in human history, but in this current historical sort of milieu, are we dealing with a level of complexity that's just truly epochal is it fundamentally different the level of complexity we see now i'm i think one has to think of the complexity and also think of the ability to manage the complexity and always the complexity runs ahead of our ability to manage it but at a time when the supply britain's supply of food for example arrived by steamship from australia and south africa and the caribbean and all sorts of other places the supply chains were intensely complex and it's not clear to me that our ability to manage those supply chains was any that the gap between the ability to manage and the complexity of the supply chains was any different then to now now i don't know how exactly one would measure that i don't think you could I don't think there's a sensible mathematical way of measuring that. Clearly, things are more complex now. Supply chains are more complex even than in the last big era of globalization before the First World War. But our ability to manage them is also way, way higher, where back then everything was pen and paper in giant big red fat red ledgers. Nowadays, it's all much of it is done automatically. Clearly, our ability to manage the complexity is also far higher. Now, I still think the complexity runs well ahead of our ability to manage it. As you see, when crises happen, most recently, Suez, but more generally, the failure to prepare, and we'll come on to this, I'm sure, but the failure to prepare inventories for the fast recovery in the economy and so the shortages that we're seeing everywhere. The complexity is hitting and we're seeing the complexity hit and it's running ahead of our ability to manage it. But it's not running so much further ahead of our ability to manage it than when clipper ships failed to arrive in the middle of the 19th century. So I'm not totally convinced that it is the sheer complexity on its own that matters. I think that, that it's the gap between the two things that's what matters. And I don't think that's necessarily so much greater. And that in the crises, the amazing thing, and I was all prepared 